This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. everyone and welcome to Lung Talk from Asthma Otago. My name's Linda Paris and I'm the, the news educator at um, the Asthma Society. Um, today we're lucky enough to have a Professor Bob Hancock joining us. Now Bob is a respiratory physician and he's also one of the principal investigators on the Next Generation study. He also works for the Department of Pre- Preventative and social medicine at Otago University. Whoa, that's a mouthful. Welcome, Bob. Hi, Linda. How are you? I'm good. Now we're doing this by phone, so we're hoping that you know the sounds um, really good. And I'm sure Jeff's well used to doing this. So, um, yep. so Bob, um, let's just before we sort of get into what you've been involved in in the Dunedin study. Can you give us a bit of a um, heads up or some information around the study? Because I understand it has been going for such a long time. Yes, well, the Dunedin study is uh, 50 years old this year. So it started in, uh, well, the, uh, the participants in the Dunedin study were first born in uh, 1972 or 73. So that makes it 50 years uh, for many of them. Um, and... Uh, it sort of really started by uh, uh, Phil Silver, who's a psychologist, and uh, Patricia Buckfield, who's a pediatrician at the time. We were sort of wondering how the children who had been born in Queen Mary Maternity Hospital, how they were going to turn out um, a few years down the line. So um, they decided to follow them up when they were first age three, and so all of those who were still living in Otago that, uh, were invited back. About 91% of those... Um, uh, in Otago came back for the first assessment at age three. And that was a 1,037 children. And those 1,037 uh, people have been followed up ever since. Um, and uh, it's remarkable because it's, a, it's partly because it's been going on for so long, um, which is, like we say now, 50 years. And secondly, that the we still have 94% of those who who are still surviving uh, taking part yeah it's amazing actually that so many people are still um, coming along and showing an interest in isn't it because actually yeah. that's a really um, great success rate yeah so we've got a um, we last saw them when they were 45 uh, and we're planning to see them again at around the age of 52 so we hope hopefully we'll we, we keep the uh, participate participation rate as, uh, up as high as it has been so um, yeah I mean, very few if any studies around the world manage to to get quite uh, uh, quite as good a participation so it must be something about Dunedin <laughs> must be because I understand that you know there are people that travel from overseas to come back to that is that right yeah there are so uh, wherever they are in the world we will try and get them back uh, so to come back so people do uh, travel back from Europe or America um, <clears throat> Uh, to take part in the study and what, what we ask of those people is they give us one day of their time um, and the information they give us is incredibly valuable. Yeah, absolutely, because, you know, as you say, um, are there any other sort of studies similar to this? Because you kind of mentioned that really it's um, perhaps one of the biggest. Yeah, uh, well, there are plenty of follow-up studies uh, and there's some that have been going even longer, but there are almost none that have that collect the range of data that we 
get in the Deneen study, and very few that actually see people face-to-face. So a lot of studies will send out questionnaires or ask people over the phone for information. But um, because we try and bring the study members back to Deneen, we can actually measure things. So for a respiratory person like myself, we can actually measure their lung function. Mm. So we'll, we will ask them about whether they have breathing difficulties and, uh, and other symptoms, but we can actually measure their lung function, and that adds a... Uh, a whole extra strength to what we can do. Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose there has been, um, as you can, as we would imagine, lots of publications that have come out from from the Dunedin study. And I know that um, there's been some television series, and I'm just thinking of the one that was about um, the young children that um, has been recently on um, around looking at uh, how they can predict how behaviour and things like that from just as a youngster. So um, is there any other ones that, you know, sort of a really highlighted particular things, Bob, that you can think of? Um, well, oh gosh, it's been over a th- th- well over a thousand publications. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly how many. And, of course, that number's increasing all the time. Yeah. Um, I'm only aware of the one television a series, actually. I think it was a series of about four programmes. Mm. Um, one of the... Uh, and other remarkable features of the Deneen study, which when it was set up, well, the people who set it up, obviously before my time, um, they they had uh, remarkable foresight to set it up to actually ask questions about all sorts of aspects of the of the children's lives. So um, one of the so one of the very unusual features of the Deneen study is that we've got this information on so many different things, and we can then start to link how all these different aspects of the health and behaviour and their lifestyles all linked together um, uh, to either uh, cause problems or, or, or to actually be beneficial. Um, and so that's sort of beca- becoming a, um, a, a popular thing to do now with new studies starting up, but actually mm-hmm. almost no studies have had the, the length of follow-up that the Deneen study has uh, um, looking at everything together. Yeah, and and I suppose because it's been around so long, now now you're actually including um, the children of those original people, and it, you know, is it looking at the next generations as well? Yeah, sure. So the the next generation study, there's, well, there's two aspects of that. For, uh, one is the the, uh, the looking at the parenting study, which is actually to look at how the Deneen uh, study members brought up their own children or how they interacted with their own children. So that study, we um, invited people when they had a three-year-old child to take part and so we could uh, assess how they, um, you know, uh, how they interacted with their kids. Uh, really interested in what were the influences on how parents bring up their own children. Mm. The the next generation study, which was running for several years, was uh, looking at the children themselves. So, looking at uh, the the offspring of the next generation study members when they when the offspring became fifteen. So then we could look at the two generations of fifteen year olds and look at things of how things have changed, how things are the same, and, and what sort of influences passed down through generations. Yeah. So it's yeah. So in fact, you're almost getting more and more participants, aren't you? Really, because yeah. it's actually growing and growing. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is which is so great, and it's um, mm. amazing that um, you know little old Dunedin's able to 
provide such great information and um, research. Yeah, so Dunedin appears to be a remarkable place for this sort of thing. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, unfortunately COVID did sort of put a bit of a halt to our uh, interviewing of 15-year-olds because, uh, you know, uh, Mm. for a few years now we've not really been able to bring anybody back. So, um, Yeah, although it might be interesting, you know, to look at that whole how COVID's affected everyone too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that will will be of uh, interest next time we uh, we do this. The study and see the Dunedin study members at hopefully age 52, just uh, what their experience of COVID was. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Bob. Look, we might have a break now and have a song, and then we'll come back and we'll actually talk about more about what you've been involved in in the study, would be really great. Thanks. Great. gets the better of me sometimes when you and I collide I fall into an ocean of you pull me out in time don't let me drown let me down I say it's all because of you and here I go losing my control I'm practicing So I can say it to your face It doesn't seem right To look you in the eye Let all the things you mean to me Come tumbling out my mouth Indeed it's time Telling you why I say it's infinitely true
welcome back everyone. Just a reminder, I've got um, Dr. Uh, Professor Bob Hancocks with me and um, we're talking about the Dunedin study. Um, so Bob, um, what I thought if you're able to this time is to talk about the studies that you've been involved in because you've been involved for quite some time. So perhaps you could tell us kind of how long you've been involved in the study yeah, for. Um, well, probably nearly 20 years. I'm not quite sure. I quite, can't quite remember how, well, I start, how long ago I started, but it's about 20 years ago. Um, so obviously at that time there's been quite a lot of uh, stuff done and a lot of my focus has been on the respiratory aspect of the study because that's sort of uh, my, uh, my specialty. So, um, and yeah, there's been a, quite a broad range of uh, topics we've covered. Um, some, um, some of the more interesting stuff has been looking at the effects of cannabis uh, smoking on, uh, on on the lungs, and um, one of the one of the unusual features of the Dunedin study is because we've seen these people, uh, these uh, the study members, so, so many times and so long, um, that we believe that the study members will trust us, and they often tell us things that they might not. Um, uh, tell other people such a, uh, and, and that includes you know whether they've been using drugs such as cannabis um, so we've actually probably got the best long-term follow-up on cannabis use of any study in the world um, and uh, yeah first of all it's remarkable just how many people in New Zealand have been using cannabis mm-hmm. uh, um, it's quite a lot um, and secondly uh, it's really interesting to look at the effects on their, their lungs. Um, what I can tell you is that uh, cannabis is uh, associated, or at least long-term cannabis smoking is associated with very uh, very definite respiratory symptoms. Um, the people who've smoked a lot of cannabis tend to have a lot more cough. They bring, tend to bring up a lot of phlegm from their chest. They get wheezy and they get short of breath. Um, the good news is that actually they, those who've been smoking cannabis and quit tend to improve, those, those symptoms tend to improve quite a lot. So um, that's not to say they would necessarily go back completely to normal, but uh, certainly the symptoms get better. Because that's, um, yeah, that's quite interesting compared yeah. with to cigarette smoking, um, isn't it? Yeah. So in terms of those symptoms, they are... They are the cannabis smokers probably experience those symptoms and maybe even worse than uh, cigarette smokers. Um, but obviously those those symptoms would be seen in cigarette smokers as well. Yeah. Oh, gosh, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. And um, what about some of the other ones that you've, you've found... Um, sort of some of the research that's come out because, you know, I suppose, um, I, I understand, are you the sort of pri- the principal investigator now for that next generation study? Is that right, Bob? Yeah, so uh, I'm, yes, uh, partly, yeah, uh, yeah, so I have been the principal investigator for the next generation studies, which is sort of different from the respiratory aspects of oh, okay. the Deneen study. Um, uh, but one of the... Um, one of the things that puzzles people or uh, makes people raise their uh, their eyebrows a little bit is is what we found about uh, the effects of being well what's known as a hygiene hypothesis or the effects of being too clean on um, on the the kids' risk of developing allergies and asthma. Mm. 
because yeah, that's um, a really interesting it, one, isn't it? I mean, there's quite lots and lots of um, question and discussions around the hygiene hypothesis, isn't there? Yeah, so, so the idea started way back uh, in the 1980s when a research in the UK noticed that um, children from large families uh, tended to have fewer allergies. And what he thought was happening is that uh, maybe the ch- other children in the house bring back viruses and other infections uh, and uh, pass it on to their siblings and then uh, the, the, the kids' immune systems uh, get diverted to uh, treating infections or fighting infections rather than causing allergies. And it seemed like a really bizarre idea at the time, but uh, actually it's probably right, or at least partly right. Um, and so a number of things that we've looked at in the Deneen study are things such as how many kids there are in the house, and, and yes, the, the, the more children you, you grow up with, and in fact, uh, although living in a, an overcrowded house is clearly not good for your respiratory function, um, actually the number of kids crowded in the house does seem to reduce your risk of allergies to some extent. Um, we've looked at uh, whether kids who uh, suck their thumbs or bite their fingernails um, have the, a lower risk of allergies, and they do. So that, that's uh, maybe a challenging thing for parents to think that actually when your kids are biting their nails or sucking their thumb. You know, normally it's something we would discourage children from doing, <laughs> yeah. but uh, actually it might actually uh, might even reduce the risk of having allergies. Yeah, gosh, yeah, it's really interesting, mm. um, and I suppose that's you know such a valuable thing that, and with ongoing studies, you know, is around, isn't it? That um, all these things can be looked at further, and the more people involved, um, and you know, following up other generations of that of that original. Um, thousand plus people yeah that's right i mean you know there are uh, so many questions arise when you do these studies that uh, you know uh, sometimes you can answer but uh, you, you find one thing out and then it raises a whole lot of other questions mm. i suppose it's so, hard to try and um choose what questions you want to further <laughs> investigate isn't it because i mean as you say i mean there's probably many many sort of questions mm. yeah that's right. So the, the the whole hygiene hypothesis stuff seems to uh, seems to make sense and seems to um, at least have some truth to it. I mean, it's still a very controversial idea, mm. um, but it does seem to have uh, some truth to it. But the next question is, well, how can we use that information to try and prevent the kids from getting allergies? We clearly, don't want everybody to go around getting infected and uh, and becoming unwell for other reasons. Yeah. Uh, and um, but they, they should somehow provide us some information that we can use further down the line to actually reduce the number of kids with asthma and allergies. Mm, that's great. Um, that's great, Bob. Thanks very much for that. That's been really um, helpful to uh, just hear about that because it's really is an amazing um, study. And you know, all credit to those people that started it way back. Um, yeah. And all, all credit to the study members who keep coming back. We yeah. are very, very grateful. I mean, we know about a third of them still live in Dunedin, so maybe some of, some of the study members are listening to this now, and yeah. you know, we are very, very grateful for, for their input. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's wonderful. Thanks very much, Bob, for all that. Thank um, you, Ned. Yeah, no, no, it's been really interesting. And, um, you know, 
uh, we'll watch the space, I suppose, and and see what else comes out. Because clearly, you know, there's this information and studies and um, papers being published um, all the time around this. So is there a website, Bob, that people can look at if they're interested in finding out a little bit more? Yes, there is a website. Uh, if you just do a, a search for Dunedin study, um, you should be able to find it. Yeah. Um, I think it comes up fairly high on a Google hit. Yeah. Um, uh, so, and it, it'll be based at the University of Otago, uh, where the study is, is based. But um, if you uh, think of people who just Google Dunedin study, they'll find oh. it fairly easily. So the other thing, Bob, which I'm not sure if you're involved in, is actually how it's funded, because clearly studies like this don't, you know, you need quite a lot of resource and, and money. And yes, well, funding funding is always a challenge. Um, yeah. The respiratory parts of the study haven't been funded in New Zealand for for some time. Um, so uh, a lot of the funding will come from the Health Research Council in New Zealand, but some of it will come from overseas. So the, uh, there's some American investigators in the study who get their money in America, and there have been. Uh, there has been funding from Britain as well in the past so um, funding is always a challenge and it's one of those challenges we're, we're facing at the moment as we apply for funding for the next phase Yeah, so just anyone out there? Yeah If you want to spend some money, they're always yeah, Anybody out there with a fair amount of money I'll, I'll be very happy to talk to you That's perfect, thanks very much Bob Now we're just Joe's just going to run through some of the services that we run at the Asthma Society Great, thanks Linda Thanks Bob Hi everyone, uh, Joe Torrance here. Um, so I'm just going to very briefly talk about the services now that sort of um, our world seems to be getting back to normal, and uh, the services that we ran previously um, are up and going. So. One of the ones that I'm going to talk about is a new initiative, which is our singing group. So each Monday at uh, one o'clock down at St Peter's Church in Hillside Road, um, we have a singing group. And it's been going a couple of weeks now, and it's absolutely fantastic. I've been attending, and everyone just loves it. So if you enjoy singing and um, uh, want to come along, it's great for your breathing. Um, and, yeah, we'd love to see you there. You don't have to be able to sing, and it's not a choir. Uh, it really is just uh, another thing that you can do for your health, really, and that's to sing. So our other things, the exercise classes are back and going. We run um, exercises here in Dunedin out at Mosgill and at Wakawaiti. So if you want any further information about those, um, just give Asthma Otago a ring, um, 03-471-6167. We'd love to hear from you and um, have a good day. Thanks. That's um, that's Lung Talk from today. And uh, once again, that phone number is 03 471 6167 and we do have a cell phone that's 027 471 6162 Thanks This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air